Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow. It's the end of the year 2023, looking forward to 2024, and we have the gang here. We have Robin McMillan, Brian Woodward, Neil Syme, Jim Kosis. Good morning, gentlemen. What's up, gentlemen? Hello, Good hello. Morning, Jason. Hi. And Robin, you've done two months in IBM. You've survived. I know. Unless this is your Brexit sort of video and we're doing it a little bit snazzy on a podcast and saying we've had enough of you already. Well, I've heard nothing yet, so I'm assuming I'm still hanging around. And I'm in the office here. Yeah. And I've locked my door, so you can't come in and find me now. Brian, can you take your keys off him and just make sure you walk uh, him to the door? <laughs> I can. And I mean, wow, crazy. Two months already, Robin, and I think you've been on 22 podcasts, something like that, which is amazing. And <laughs> I mean, are we really sitting here talking? I think what are we doing today, Jace? We're talking about end of the year. And we are literally just days away from the end of the year. If I have my calendar, how did that happen? Huh? Crazy. Crazy. It's been yeah. fast-paced. It's been fast-paced. Great healthy year this year for me. So let's see the back of it very, very quickly, I think. Brian? Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's I think it's been a great year. And I think next year is going to be, you know, super exciting as well, right? A lot of great things going on in our industry. And I think we've had a lot of really interesting podcasts. And what are we going to do today? Are we going to recap the year a little bit? Talk about maybe what happened this year and maybe a little bit of what we think that has an impact to next year. Is that our goal? Or are we just going to pick on Robin for since he's well, the Well, Neil guy? and I and Jim were thinking something else, but clearly it's your podcast today, Brian, and clearly you want to take over, right? Neil, he, he seems to want to take over, Brian. I miss Jerry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Brian's taking over. So, Brian, this is your podcast. Why don't we just call it Brian's Podcast? Brian's Podcast 2023. I mean, I was going to tell you guys something for 2024, but maybe I'll just go ahead and announce I am changing my name to Jerry officially. I've started the legal documentation. <laughs> does Jerry know? <laughs> look, doesn't he live out of state now? I mean, look, he does. We, you know, I, can, I can get his credit running back in Texas and all this kind of stuff. Think about I'm not, how good my life's going to be, huh? I'm not sure they get podcasts that far north. So I think you're fine. Okay, good. <laughs> Jim Lou's confused. It's a done deal. Yeah, I was thinking you were talking about Jerry the Elf on the Shelf, but apparently not. <laughs> Either one. As long as somebody else is paying my bills next year, I'm good, right? So, Robin, joking okay. apart, before we get to the end of the year, enjoying IBM, enjoying your new life two months in? Yeah, it's been a great year for me. Great to be part of the team. I actually feel as though this is just a natural next step for me. It turns out I've been drilling in or dealing with drilling data all my life, and now we're actually going to put it to some use. You know, I've been gathering it along with my drilling buddies and piling up in the corner. As you've heard me say, you know, the drilling, the digital data is like this really good quality raw material, and now we need some craftsmen to come along and make it into something useful. So we go knock on the door to the drilling companies and, and the operators and say, okay, what useful piece of kit do you want? And we can take this digital data and craft it for you. So you're here. What a great segue into the first topic about 2023, right? Look at you, Jerry. Go. That's right. Hey. Go, Jerry. Go, Jerry. (laughs) Neil, this is getting old really fast. (laughs) 
I was going to say, you know, I mean, Robin, you bring a great point, right? I mean, I think we talked a lot in 2023. We had several podcasts on it. You can't pick up any sort of news publication, either in print or digital, without people talking about generative AI and the impact it's had in 2023 and the rise of generative AI. And I think, as you mentioned, right, I think it is the age of finally being able to harness the power of this, you know, masses and masses of data that are being collected in the industry. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think what's happened in the past with the use of data and digital data is a lot of the companies thought, yeah, we can do this. Sometimes you walk in there and you give them some thoughts and somebody in their internal department, probably in IT, say, oh, don't worry, we've got this. And I think what's good now is that we're at a phase where they realize they haven't got this yeah, and they've tried it. And now they're coming back going, okay, we need different skill sets and we need to go find them. Well, Robin, they're also working out they don't add value, isn't it? They're not adding value to their clients and therefore they have to. And there's a gap. And how do we get it? How do we do it? What is digital? We got all this data. Right. And how do we help them quantify that value? I still think we're getting there, but we're a little bit away from being able to see everybody take that next step. Right. Be able to take the jump into believing yeah. in the data. Right. So it's going to be gradual. And I think we'll see it coming forward. I think we've seen it in 2023, but I think we'll see another step forward in 2024 beyond. It might take another five years to really start believing, get more of the autonomous adjustments, understanding the permutations of making all the adjustments that can be made within getting oil out the ground. But to me, it looks like we're just another step on the journey here. And I think we'll see that gradual step. I don't think we'll see a big jump because I think it's too ingrained at the moment, but I think we'll see the gradual steps going forward. So I hope it comes faster. It's going to be about pace rather than anything particularly monumental in 2024, in my opinion, but we'll see. We'll see. I think, you know what I think is interesting about the whole Gen AI discussion, unlike I think a lot of kind of tech you know, pivots that we've seen over the last couple of years is that with the Gen AI kind of movement is that it gets right to the business process and application, right? So I think with some of the other tech evolutions we've seen, it's like, we're going to do a pilot, we're going to do a POC, and that's going to take six months and it drags on because everyone's kind of working on the tech. I think with the Gen AI stuff, there's not as much tech. And so it goes straight to application. And that's where we've always struggled. Right. So it's a matter of kind of moving something forward quickly and other tech that hasn't worked in the past has always failed at this point. And in, in this case, I think we're arriving at that pivot a lot quicker. So I think we're going to see if, you know, the application of it actually is going to result in change or not sooner than we have in the past. Well, you know, and Jim, I agree. And I think there's so much pressure around this if you're, you know, a CEO of any company today, because in and I was listening to Obama speak in his foundation, he's gotten quite active in, you know, trying to go out and speak about how to govern this, right? Because we all know, right, this is it's an exciting time, but there's some really scary potential, you know, fallout, you know, related to applying this technology. But, you know, he had mentioned that one of the CEOs that he interviewed had described it as transformational to just virtually humanity and any business as electricity being introduced into culture. You know, I don't think that's too far off of the truth. And I think, you know, Robin and Jason, you touched on it as well. There's so much data being collected in the world that sort of the previous, you know, generation, you know, tech application just didn't really, I think, create, you know, the speed of value or being able to harness that for real interpretation and decision making 
to your point, Neil, yeah, maybe we are, you know, three, four, five years out of really seeing this be a step change in the way the industry operates. But I'm pretty confident that we will see a major step change in how the industry operates when this technology is applied. So I'm sure we talked about it quite a bit in 2023. I imagine we're going to talk about it a lot more in 2024 and 2025 as we move forward. Yeah. Neil mentioned believing in the data. I think a lot of the lack of confidence in the past is because we didn't quite leave it that believe it. There was a few gaps in it. It reminds me of on a drilling rig, there's always a challenge with alarm management. If you're the driller, there's alarms going off all over the place and somebody, well, that, yeah, that one keeps doing that. Oh, yeah, that's the sensor that keeps going down. And so there's this lack of 100% confidence, which you need to be able to have the confidence in Gen AI, for example. And so I know with some of the colleagues, my new colleagues that I've spoken to, that the first thing we do is tidy up the data, you know, clean it up, fill the gaps, remove the outliers, etc. So there's confidence that this is quality data before we start to do anything with it. And I think in the past, that's been one of the issues. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting, guys, I think, right? So move on to our next topic for 2023. You guys good for that? So, I mean, we talked a lot maybe in 2022 and maybe a little bit early 2023 about the impact of new energy on our industry. And, you know, it certainly I think we're still going to feel and see a lot of that. But we certainly saw in 2023 a lot of the big players retreat back to their core business model, which is really interesting and maybe starting to hone or focus their investments in proven technologies and real businesses like carbon capture. And I think that's big and small, right? Air Energy just made a big announcement last week that they launched their carbon capture business in California. I mean, we know Exxon, you know, has been very active in this space. So seems like to me that I guess, you know, the model of new energy technologies, at least in our industry, is starting to sort of cold or refine itself into tangible business models. From my perspective when I'm working in Shell, etc. I see a similar move, right? I haven't seen a pullback from carbon efficient, let's say that, energy sources. What I've seen is a leveling off, where previously the cosmetic view is pulling back a little bit because the fact that now the new CEO wants to focus on profit, right? And I haven't seen anybody that I speak to really complain about that, right? Nobody's really said, you know what, that's a bad move because at some stage mm-hmm. there were some companies that were maybe they were focusing on it beyond anything else. And that's a good thing in some regard for the climate change agenda. But on the other hand, it was becoming an outlier, I think is what was felt. And it's not like, so, you know, Exxon, Chevron, et cetera, were probably be a bit more focused on some of the profits, et cetera, rather than the BPs and the shells. And now we're seeing a leveling of the playing field a little bit where Exxon, for example, like in your example, maybe are looking a bit more towards the carbon efficient and you've got the shell and BPs coming back and, look, and focusing more on the getting the oil out the ground, right? And get the profits, yeah. et cetera. So, I think what we're seeing is we're going to have to find that balance, right? Until people can manage the shareholder expectations as well as the climate responsibility somewhere in there, I think is what we've got to try and find. I don't, sorry, Robin, what were you about to say, hopefully? No, I was saying this is one of the tensions at the COP recently in that there are some people are saying, okay, this is the end of fossil fuels. We need to change as quickly as possible to wind and solar, for example. And there's others saying, well, no, we need the energy from fossil fuels. What we need to do and what we can do is offset the effect of fossil fuels. We can have carbon capture. We can stop emissions. 
everybody agrees methane leaks are, or is it methane anyway? Whatever it's called, it's bad. <laughs> it depends on where you're from, Robin. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I speak both languages, so we're okay. <laughs> but I think that's some of the tensions as to you know how fast do you actually need to transition to new technologies versus how fast do you enable the use of fossil fuels without messing up the atmosphere. Maybe reality setting in a little bit as well. I think the honeymoon's over. I mean, you know, you're certainly seeing this in the electric car industry. I mean, obviously Tesla's doing really well because they're able to scale and produce cars at profit, but the others are really struggling. And, you know, the economics of buying an electric car is maybe beyond what, you know, sort of the average consumer can afford to pay right now. And so, I think reality sets in this stuff has to be scalable and profitable to be sustained and these things will work themselves out, right? Yeah. Yeah. My thought on this is it's kind of interesting when you look back in the last year and say, well, what's kind of changed? And you look at kind of the geopolitical space, right? So with what's going on and has been going on in Russia, what's you know, kind of messaging out of China, all these kind of pressures, what that has on the impact of the energy market. And I think that's kind of forced the hand for a lot of mm-hmm. big players to say, okay, can we really move away from this? And as soon as you hit a bump in the road, I think a lot of the focus shifts pretty quickly. Hey, Jim, are you taking over from Jerry? Because that one was on my list, and I thought I was running the list down. Do you but know, hey, I just pinged you know. up Brian. I pinged up Brian and said, just disturb him. See, well, how's he going to be? Is he really going to just take it on his stride? Or is he going to just, like, get Jim back in and go, Jim, you're 10 minutes too early, dude. Bring that up in a minute. Well, Brian, you know, unlike you, I don't come into these with an agenda, quite literally. <laughs> hey, listen, maybe she, Jim. Sense, yeah. sense and respond. My wife is really starting to question my faculties. So if I don't have a list, you know, on what I got to do in the next 10 minutes, I seem to get lost now. Right? Uh, it's just becoming it's just, a, a marriage guidance. So. Age setting in a little bit. Yeah, but Jim, you're right. I think the geopolitical environment is crazy. What have we seen in 2023? Maybe in a lot of ways, the unthinkable right? Two major global crises is going on right square in the middle of, you know, really, you know, huge concentrations of natural <clears throat> fossil fuel resources. And that's definitely going to spill over in 2024 and have big impact, right? Yeah, that Venezuela thing is, is interesting. So basically, the I think it's Mauricio, someone is the president of Venezuela at the moment. And he basically pulled up a map just the other day there, which showed Venezuela was basically halfway, mostly two thirds of the way into Guana or something, I think it was, because That's Guana is found oil and gas. So, and you're like, holy moly, so this is going to be another thing that's just going to continue to just keep creeping on and... Well, at least we're in an interesting area. It's a bit like England versus Scotland, Neil, at that point, isn't it? (laughs) It is. Yeah, there's less bad feeling in Venezuela, Guana. (laughs) (laughs) So what it is, is zone, they call it, when I lived in Venezuela, as you know, for a few years, and that zona, zona de reclamación, the zone that they reclaim, has been on the map for years. Oh, really? Maybe 100 years, they've always said, but it's always been shaded in. Mm. As you know, a lot of the Exxon... Hess, Tullow are starting to find really serious pools of oil off Guyana, offshore. And so suddenly this has become a big issue for Venezuela. And some of it is just that Nicolas Maduro is very unpopular internally. So he needs some external threat that he can stir up to help his political image, basically. So there's a lot of, as sorry, once again, it's a complex issue. Wow, I just, just read a very similar article this morning about China. And Z and his, you know, 
challenges mm-hmm. internally and you know the Taiwan might be the force that you know brings you know sort of strength back to his role in leadership so I mean who would have ever thought that this would be you know the global environment we're all talking about right now crazy. it's quite crazy yeah. crazy you got anything lighter on that list Brian Hmm? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> anything lighter. I, I didn't know if I was able <laughs> to talk go to about the- Israel. <laughs> Bloody, get on the list. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, I was going to say, I didn't know if I was allowed to keep going through my list, but I'm going to. Right? So- I could always mute him, Neil. Don't worry. There's a big red button. I can <laughs> just. Okay. <laughs> Robin, you can see why we need to control these podcasts now, can't you? <laughs> Oh, I know, it's just chaos, yeah. isn't it? Normally, they're kind of, you know, fun events. Come on, Brian. Get I was thinking that, you know, next year we should create this to be a very nice and gentle podcast. And we all, you know, talk to each other with, you know, sort of loving hands and all this stuff. Not this bantery <laughs> stuff. Let's see, you know, how much our listening goes down. There you go. There you go, Jace. <laughs> hey, in all seriousness, Jace, my next topic, I'm going to hit it, right? So you can cut the applause now, Jason. <laughs> but I think we interviewed quite a few you know, I guess organizations, a couple of, you know, collegiate organizations, Western States. We talked to Houston Community College, some recruiting firms. You know, it is very clear that no matter what you think in terms of how long oil is going to be around, and I think all of us in the call, you know, believe convincingly it's going to be around for a long time, there is a tremendous gap of skill fulfillment in the industry and maybe even a backlog of, you know, individuals getting skilled up in the industry. And so, you know, I think as we continue to roll forward in the future, skills and, you know, not, you know, I would say industry specific capabilities, education, et cetera, are going to become even more relevant. 100%. So I think, you know, this is a lighter topic because it's a real need in the industry, right? I think this is something that people out there, there is lots of opportunity available. There is lots of people that are like lots of companies that are looking for skilled, both data and industry-based skills. I hear engineering, I think, was really hot topics, et cetera. Mm -hmm. All of these types of skill sets are just going to be super hot in this next 2024. And I only see it I don't see a particular downturn in that regard because, you know, if anything, I think the people looking for jobs are in the power at the moment, right? Typically, there's some, you know, back and forth, but I think that there really is a lot of opportunity out there and people can bargain for whatever they like. And there's more bargaining power we talked about in the past. It's not so much a hot topic now, but more the COVID thing where, where people can work at home or they can work with a much more a lifestyle that allows them to be more flexible at work, etc. So that is just going to grow and grow and grow because it gives that type of need for the skills allows people to be able to bargain for their own needs and requirements to be able to meet those demands. I do think the oil and gas company, those, excuse me, Neil, though, need to do a lot more in marketing and being clear of what are we doing and what's your output of it? Because I think if we've all got daughter sons, I think on this, a few of us have, it's a tough one because they don't look at oil and gas as potentially an industry to go into. Let's be brutally honest, especially now it's kind of got this bad name. And I do think we've talked about it a lot this year as well, Brian, on some of the people. And a lot of us stumbled into oil and gas because it was just an industry and family for me was involved and others, Robin, I think you and I discussed it. There was not a lot of marketing. I do think we need to do a lot of marketing and reach out to universities and really work out of what are you going to get out of this industry? You know, and are you really going to be the change agent of transformation? A little bit like Jim was talking about, Brian. And I think then we'll get the right people coming in and it will be magnetized. And yeah, Jay, so what did the lady from Western States tell us that, you know, petrochemical related oil, you know, and gas related degrees are 
down something crazy like 75 to 75 percent yeah yeah to where they were you know 10 years ago i think all of us in the industry who have children might want to you know start handing money under the table to our kids you know to go into the oil and gas industry right so they have a really good career for the next 15 20 years because you know and what did she say i mean a companies and we know this right we're, it's a global industry i think we're all big support of globalization brings a lot of interest in diversity industry but the reality is as us jobs are being filled by you know individuals that we're bringing over from overseas because we can't drive enough output out of our universities for these skill sets, right? I think what's going to help a lot is that the, now the diversity of skill sets required is a lot broader. You don't now just have to be a petroleum engineer. You can study, as we just said, AI, data management, automation. You have to. You can go right. You can go into robotics. You can go into geothermal. These are all needs of the major operators right now. So there's a lot more routes into working for major operators than there used to be. Yeah, and we talk a lot about professional skills, Robin, right? But when I talked to HCC and, you know, I went to that manufacturing, you know, center of excellence a couple of months ago, even hard skills like welding, you know, material fabrication, Mm. and a lot of those, frankly, are pretty hard to replace with AI, right? You know, not foreseeable future. And, you know, all of the companies that were representing, you know, in the panel there all said they are dying for people with hard material skills, right? So it's yeah. kind of the whole gauntlet of the whole, you know, the whole spectrum, if you will, in the industry, right? Because of these different skill sets now, there was a time if you went into, well, gosh, you know, you can imagine you had to be, you know, big and tough if you're going to go work on a drilling rig. Well, now, if the drilling rig is automated in the main, then suddenly there's a lot broader spectrum of the population can go work in those situations. To me, what I'm feeling in the last year is that I think there's always been awareness or there's been awareness of this talent gap for the last several years. But to me, the shift seems to be that it seems like it's a potential impediment to growth, right? More so in the past than, hey, this is a problem that we're going to have to deal with sometime soon. And I think that's leading organizations to look at different types of partnerships that they can get into. And I think with, you know, in our business on the IT side of it, that's a little bit more straightforward. But when you start to get into these harder skills where you need to have people on site, people on location, that gets to be even more complicated and something that yeah, I think there's, we'll see more of in 2024 and how the industry addresses it. One of the things, Jim, we're going to do, I think some of you know, is NAEP 2024 is the week of the 5th of February. And I've agreed with Western University of Colorado with Veronica there that we'll grab our team and we'll do some events with them and also even give them even the podcast, Brian. That's the type of stuff we should be doing between Mark LaCour at OGGN and ourselves and some of these companies that are listening to this podcast. We need to be reaching out and showing these guys what's life like as an oil and gas business. These will be young students, Neil, 40, 50, that will come to Houston from Colorado, spend the whole week at NAEP. Yes, looking through a summit, but the biggest thing, and I did this last year with them, is getting involved in the industry and sort of just meeting real people, trying their skills out and thinking, wow, they had no idea last year that a podcast could even be part of something they could reach out and help. So yeah, that's what I want to do the week of the 5th of February. We'll be doing that as the IBM team of this podcast out with Western University, Colorado. So it'd be very cool. We need to do more of that, Neil. Yeah, 100%. So look, Jim, I think I agree with you when it comes to this could be our growth impediment. So people have got to step it up. So 
sum it up, I think, Jason, there needs to be more of a step change on how the industry can position itself to make sure that people, it does attract the right people. It attracts the people with people, with data skills, with AI skills, but also with some industry skills, right? It needs both. So for that to be the case, it really needs to pick up its game a little bit and it can do it, right? It just needs to get up there and start being part of the solution. Right, being Agreed. part of the solution of this thing. That's what's all going to happen is how we're going to get away from carbon heavy things is by bring, investing in renewables eventually. And that's what we'll eventually see. So people will need these young people to bring it forward. So it's coming. Neil, the other thing we all know we've been talking about is do we develop a center in Houston for the underprivileged and the minorities? I still think that is a massive opportunity for Houston ourselves, the industry, give jobs to the people that really need the jobs, supplement what the teams are doing with real SMEs, but offshore as well. I still see a massive gap there. And I think in 2024, if I get one of my wishes will be to set up that center and to fuel this and show there is some naysayers out there, but I really do believe there's the next Robin, Jason, Brian's, Neil's, Jim's out there that couldn't have gone to university for any reason or sitting saying, I'm just different, I can't get it. And I think it's our job to get them into the industry and we will make such an impact if we do that. I think there's a... You know, Jace, you keep using us as the benchmark of the future and I gotta, I do wonder about that. I think our listeners <laughs> probably really question when you say the next Brian's, Jace's, Neil's out there. Like, Wow. But they must be really impressed. But, you know, you're right. And I mean, when you look at, you know, our business climate in Texas, I mean, you know, oil is definitely going to be a huge driver of this industry for the foreseeable future. There's going to be so many great opportunities for young people out there. And, you know, I'm a fundamental believer that, you know, U.S. is still one of the greatest places in the world to, you know, to change your outcome, right, based on initiative and you know, I remember when I interviewed, you know, Ash Menon and the ERA team with Jerry, the real Jerry, you know, earlier this year. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's built a culture and he built a team around, you know, desire and aptitude and attitude, right? You know, and not necessarily hard skill set. So, I mean, you know, I think it is such a great climate for you to maybe change, you know, your career, or change your life, because, you know, I think you, you maybe more so ever than ever in the industry you know, companies are willing to give you a chance if you just take, you know, a few steps in the direct, you know, in the direction, because you mentioned, Jim, I mean, we've been talking about a years, but maybe it's, you know, almost a crisis now, right? In terms of fulfilling the next generation of talent in, in these companies. All right. What's next on the list, Brian? Yeah, come on, keep us up to date. I mean, we kind of talked about climate change briefly, right? But, you know, maybe to recant our summer in Texas, Maybe it was the hottest. I mean, I grew up in Texas my whole life and probably the hottest summer I've ever experienced myself. Jason, I think, almost packed back up and went back to Scotland. I think he thought, what the hell has happened, you know, in, in the uh, Yeah. But then he remembers the winters there, right? But I remember the summers there. My mother saying it's really hot. It was 22 <laughs> degrees, maybe about 75 That's Fahrenheit. Right. She's got a T-shirt on going red. I was like, mom, right. 110 in Houston. <laughs> But obviously, I mean, a lot of, I guess, you know, news and talk about climate change this year and our, you know, does our industry and how does our industry impact climate change? And, you know, it's certainly maybe a reminder of the environmental sensitivities that we're all dealing with. And I don't see those going away next year, right? Yeah. So 
let's just get it out there. So the COP28 is ongoing at the moment and it, or, and it's basically, they're trying to come up and my understanding is they are coming up with some potentially good solutions, but there's also a group out there within the energy industry that's denying the impact of the fossil fuels on climate change. Personally, and look, it's a complex subject and Robin, you can help me out here to, to make sure mm. we're honest, keep me honest here, but look, there is issues all over the place. So it's, you can't 100% say that it's 100%, but I think what I would prefer is when the oil and gas industry not necessarily denying the impact of carbon emissions and the because it seems like there's been a lot of evidence to say there is. It's more about how can they be part of the solution, right? And I think that's part of the maneuvering and the making sure that the industry has got a good you know, image out, that it's part of the solution, as I say. But I know that it's a complex yeah. issue, right? And so there's going to be some back yeah, and forth. I, I think, yeah, I think the use of the word denier obviously has some emotional connections, and that has been unfortunate. And I think that the question is not that they're denying, but they're questioning the size of the impact. As we said before, there are other things going on which change the climate of the Earth and have done for you know four billion years. So how much are those still in effect? I hear it's um, clou- cows flatulating is something like 30% of the emissions or something like that. Have I heard that? Yeah, yeah no it's doubt. I mean, the, the ca- <laughs> cattle industry, is I've read over and over again, has a massive impact on you know carbon emissions yeah. in the climate. There's a lot of variables here, right? If you look at the impact of climate, I mean, the fear is that the impact of climate has an impact on people. And if you look at the number of climate-related deaths, if you look at deaths from floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and everything, despite the increase in population, those deaths have come down by about 98% in 100 years. In other words, we've got a lot better at dealing with the issues of climate. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who say, well, maybe that's what we should be concentrating on. Yes, we need to make sure that we're not affecting the atmosphere. And I think one person said, energy is good, emissions are bad. Yeah, emissions, you know, methane emissions are bad. Any diesel particulates are bad. But CO2 is not a pollutant. You know, CO2 is part of the atmosphere. In fact, without CO2, there wouldn't be any life on Earth at all. So there are some people who say that more CO2 is actually not a bad thing for life. In fact, you know, if you go to Holland, they will pump CO2 into their greenhouses because it helps with the growth of that. So once again, we come back to what we've already said, Neil. It's a complex issue. I think that it cannot be boiled down to a soundbite. I think what is unfortunate is that the debate has stopped. Some people say, that's it, fossil fuels are done, leave it in the ground. And that clearly, first of all, it's not going to happen because of the lifestyle that we've developed based on fossil fuels. And secondly, it's highly impractical to think that we're going to change to wind and solar, even if that was desirable, um, just the raw materials to achieve that are a challenge. So it's unfortunate. I think the debate about the complexity has ceased and it's come down to people in the streets waving placards, you know. I blame social a little bit for this as well, because it's very easy. You get the denials, you get the people saying, stop oil. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? As you said, in the UK, people gluing themselves to the street are throwing paint onto a Aston Martin or Jaguar sort of, well, guess where all those products are by, what are those that you're using, the glue or the paint? They're byproducts of bloody oil and gas. So what the hell are you doing? And so there's just such a craziness. Sorry, Brian, go on. I was going to say, or, you know, you're using, you know, boats with gasoline right, yeah. to go out and do uh, protests. But 
I mean, I think the reality is, guys, is, and maybe you could argue this about everything, right? Social has sort of made us swim to the most extreme edges of all views, yeah. right? Politically, mm-hmm. socially. But the reality is, is I think our industry, you know, can obviously continue to do the sensible thing. And that is, you know, try to operate as cleanly as possible, try to minimize, you know, the impact on the environment and continue to try to develop, you know, smart ways to either re-leverage things, you know, like, you know, carbon disposition in the atmosphere through carbon capture techniques or new energy techniques. There's always got to be, I think, a practical sort of path of not letting the past impede the future progress, but obviously not doing crazy things at a speed, which are going to create us, you know, create a huge gap globally in terms of being able to fulfill our energy needs. Right. And it seems like we never, it seems like the conversation always gets to the, you know, I'm going to say it hard left or hard right. And, you know, I'm kind of always been a little bit of a middle of the road, you know, centrist. And I think there's a practical path here, right? Yeah, I think 100%. there's a lot of, I mean, both politically and with the climate issue, there's a lot of people that are centrist and middle road and want to talk. But as you said out before, the noises you hear are the extremes, you know, which are exacerbated by the echo chamber. And they don't understand reality, Rob, and I think that's the one thing. It's social, isn't it? It's pushing sort of, we're almost at a point now that it's almost having to explain or all the things you see in LinkedIn, etc. says, well, let's show you the byproducts of... And what I don't like also, Neil, on the other side, their balance is, well, let's just stop drilling for oil and let's just stop production. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? How are you going to, you know, do you drive a car? Do you have fuel in your house? What the hell are we thinking about? You know, it's almost a ridiculous sort of, you know, we almost need to have a sense check. It said, guys, you know, we all live in Texas. Look how many people are in cars, usually one per, per car because there's no bloody mass transit system. So... How can we stop at any point? Yes, can we transition? Of course we can. Can we use the technology and a great industry? Of course we can. But we have to take time and do it. And as the population grows, we need more food, which means we need more agriculture, which means we need more fertilizer. And right now, most of the fertilizer comes from natural gas. So there's a lot of knock-on effects. Yeah, no, it's it's way too too ingrained, right? So it's definitely something we've got to continue with for 100%. And just about finding finding that plan to facilitate mm-hmm. the movement eventually to, well, it's the transitions. It's the energy transition that we've talked about a number of times on this podcast. That's going to be good. And if the temperatures get high, then we all move to Scotland, right? It's going to be, it's going to be like a Caribbean <laughs> island eventually in there. Watch it. There's, I think there's two days of summer up there now, Neil, these days <laughs> above 22, yeah. 23 right. degrees. I heard there was three this year. There's three? I was heard there was get three this year. Yeah, no, it was yeah. a one-off. Just, a just one-off. think if Scotland one day becomes kind of like a tropical vacation destination. Think what that's going to do totally. to the economy. It's going to be fantastic, that's, right? That's right. Clyde Bank have, is the new Guadalupe or whatever it is, Neil. That would be the... That's oh, right. The McBeach Boys will the be Mc- the biggest hits yeah. on there. <laughs> a bunch of white boys going around red because there's a whole bunch of sunshine coming down too much. That's We usually go, you know, the right. Billy Conley story. The guy, you know, Scottish people go on holiday two weeks of the year to Spain just to go from the colour of white to blue. Or blue to white, yeah. sorry, I got the right <laughs> joke wrong. From blue to white, and they come home white, and it's like, yeah, beauty, look at the suntan. <laughs> I can relate. You know, I have a little Scottish in my blood. I'm pretty much a blue to white kind of guy in the sun, unfortunately. It's like blue, white, red. That's about it, right? So, My mother, when I spoke to my mother last weekend, she was outside in a T-shirt and she said, Hello, Sonny, it's quite nice outside today, but it's only one degree. 
It's like 37 <laughs> degrees, 36 Fahrenheit. She's outside in a t-shirt. It's a wee bit windy, but it's all right, son. I'm catching the sun. I was like, get bloody in, get jumping on. What are you doing, you crazy old... It's Scotland. There you go, Neil. You, you can That's put that right. down. That was yeah, probably quite a, a good Scottish yeah, accent. My mother would be proud of that one. I know. I think. Yeah, totally. that's pretty good. That is pretty good. We don't really need her on anymore because we've got you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right. Right. we should have them. It's good, Jay, so that in 2023, we significantly increased the intellectual horsepower of this podcast by bringing Robin on. So that was a great accomplishment, right? <laughs> Neil, when Neil comes on, he brings us always back to a little bit of reality, grand earth. But yeah, but no, I think it's been a great year. I think we're going to have a great year next mm-hmm. year. I think there's, you know, we'd love to see more topics from our viewers come in and around what they want to hear, what they want to see. And Maybe you'd love to mix it up a little bit and get some more guest hosts. We had a few guest hosts this year, but yeah. let's bring a few more in next year, right, to kind of shake up our perspective a little bit, huh? Neil, just one other point to bring it. Sorry, Neil. Brian, just another po- yeah, quick one. We probably saw the oil, to end on a, a good point, I think, in a bit of an industry, we saw more of us coming together. And so we're all involved in fighting sex trafficking. And we think it's a huge element. I think we all understand that now in Houston. But I saw more and more Brian businesses understanding and collaborating and coming together. And I think that's fantastic because you get, if we can get that working more, then the things like sharing resources or doing something at universities, I kind of feel like the industry is realizing together is better. And how do we get to some of this stuff? So in 2024, I also, Brian, see more and more common things like fighting sex trafficking or living on the rough on the streets or you know on the episodes of how do we make houston better which also is then resonating into how do we make houston oil and gas better is how do we get maybe more consolidation or cross leverage or cross fertilization between the companies i kind of sense that's coming now it's not going to happen overnight and it's not all going to be one big gumbo but it feels to me a, a lot more yeah, that people need to do this to, to stay alive as an industry, Brian. Sorry, that was just one item on the list that I wanted to shout out. I think you're right, Jace. I mean, I mean, we you talked about some of the social things that are going on, but also I think from a business standpoint, there's a lot of pressure in the system to perform and to operate better and to adopt new technologies. And I think a lot of our customers are realizing that, hey, I can't do that all on my own, right? And so it makes sense to either, you know, partner with technology providers or partner with each other, Right. You know, I mean, the whole world, I think, obviously, is moving towards a little bit more of a, quote unquote, open source kind of concept in terms of the way leading practices are adopted. And I think our industry is catching up and I think we'll see more of that next year. huh? Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing I've seen is I think I've seen the oil and gas companies really come together a bit more. Right. And whether it be just with oil field services, plus some of the operators or what have you. I think we see the ecosystem being much stronger together. And I've seen them also come a lot together with the charity, like you mentioned. So like where we're potentially involved, like the Red M and the sex trafficking. I've, you know, some of the generosity you see around the place, people willing to give their time and their money and their resources to this is phenomenal. So 100%, that is one way we definitely change that. You need people like David Reed in the industry. No one understands what he's saying because he's accent, but he's a a decent dude. Uh, But uh, joking apart, we do need more of those people. People say that about you and Neil as well, Jace, right? Yeah. Just don't know what the big Scott's saying, but hey. I told you there's only five of us and we do multiple jobs. That's all it is. (laughs) Just strange accents. (laughs) 
Don't worry. Get us on video conference. I can cover for Neil anytime. Neil, vice versa. That's right. There you go. There you go. Well, guys, right. it's been awesome doing this again in 2023. This is the end of our official second year. I mean, I guess we started, what, the year before, Chase? Is that maybe I'm losing track of You know, of this might versus... even be almost episode 50 when it comes out, Brian. Wow. wow. That's pretty Seriously. awesome. Jeez. Can you wow. imagine the bit when we got a hold of this and thought, how could we? And then doing it. I mean, Jim, it's been phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, just I thought, I thought, we'd, I thought we'd all be fired by now a long time ago, right? Dude, I think that every day when I wake up. But that's IBM, not not the <laughs> podcast. Hey, Jim. I know I'm getting raises next year, though. That's what I know, right? Yeah. Uh, let me know. Don't start with that one. From the podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, raise, raises for the podcast. That's right. By yeah. the way, we're going right. to get paid in 2024 $250 a podcast. We are going to get a new sponsor. Sponsor. And we're going to give the money straight to Red M, which is fantastic, awesome. guys. So thank you very much again, all of us. And again, listeners, like you said, Brian, we need different people on and different views. And even if it's different and you want to replace Brian and be the next Brian, dude, come at it. We're all looking for the right. Or Jerry. Yeah. Or Jerry. Or Jerry. Maybe we've got your Christmas party to come up with. Christmas party. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of, we're actually going to run a podcast, a live podcast there with Mark Liqueur at the party. I've no idea how that's going to sound. I think Robin with champagne in his glass and sort of, Talking about COP28 is probably going to be the, uh, I would have right. guessed on that one. And they were also holding an auction. So we're bunch, thank you, a whole bunch of client companies, the NOV, David Reed, SLB, IBM ourselves, put some products again, and we're going to do an auction and raise some money as well, one together. So it'll be great. That's awesome. I want well, American with, football. American, American football, football number 48. They signed American football. That's the one It's I only want. going for $1,500, Neil. Oh, wow, that's cheap. I'll bring my checkbook. <laughs> It'll be in crayon. I think the last word you go to Jim, Brian, I think he's been quite, he's arcing to say something, Brian, I think. Let him in. Go ahead, Jim. Just looking forward to 2024, guys. That's, you know, I think it's been a great year, but I think next year is going to be an exciting one too. So looking forward to, to working with you guys next year. Yeah, that's awesome. Happy holidays. Nice guys. Happy New Year, huh? Yeah, have a good yeah. one. Guys, I said, if you want to get on the show, give us a shout. That's exactly what it is. And that's a wrap. See you guys in 2024. Cheers, guys. Right. Thanks, guys. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.